Hi, this is Thomas from Quest and Chaos. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and joining us on this chaotic adventure. If you want to listen to our other exciting podcasts, such as Swords and Sages, Chaos Agent, Spelljammer, and many more, please visit our website at questsandchaos.com slash podcasts for links to your favorite podcast platform of choice. Now, if you enjoyed this content and want to support us, please consider joining our Patreon for exclusive content, cast interaction, and more at patreon.com slash chaos. Now, enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the picnic. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the forest moon of Endor. Uh, we, uh, this is episode 13. How many fingers is that, sir? That many. Uh, about as about as many hairs I ha- as I have on my head. Just right Don't here. look. It's terrible. All right. Um, those of you listening on the podcast, you should really look at the video and see how terrible my hair is. Or just Thomas's Facebook page because there's a really scary yeah. image of it. Uh, uh, yeah. People are even asking for it. On our disc, you can join our Discord and see a photo of it. Uh, our Discord is linked uh, the top right of our website, which is questsandchaos.com. HTTPS, if you are mm-hmm. uh, care, if you care about SSL certificates. Anyway, uh, hi. So why are we on the moon event? Why are we on the moon? Uh, because we have an, an event in the studio. It is uh, it is for rent. We're doing a live stream out of here that has nothing to do with the channel. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is is. Having a picnic um, on Endor in like Lord of the Rings. This is the most dense forest like ever. You make it sound like there's having a picnic. Everything's fun. You're right though. That doesn't really make sense to have a picnic in a forest, but whatever. I mean, you could. uh, Neither of us talked to the microphone. That was a budget item from where like, yeah, this is what we had in stock, and they weren't. They didn't want to have their custom one built. I agree. So, uh, anyway, welcome to episode 13. This is the Untitled Podcast. Mm -hmm. I'm Thomas Cook. This is Amy Pooja. What up? Um, I'm looking. I'm like, where's my laptop? It's over here, and you have mine. Did you actually hit record on that? I did, All right, good. Uh, We're recording on this one uh, because, as you may have heard in some of our other ones, that one is terrible needs replacing it is it's horrible i do have to say that like the keys stick there's nothing great about it no i spilled i spilled beer on the keyboard okay <laughs> the, so the mouse is extra clicky it is that's, that's the it's extra annoying <laughs> that's, that's the beer that's, that's, the, that's beer. the beer talking that is the beer uh i could pull it apart and clean it no but, uh, no don't even bother it's how old is it 2013 this you actually this was my laptop and i handed it to you and said right i get a new one when i was unemployed you're like here's a here's an old laptop you can have it's amazing that in 2013 that's almost uh eight seven years Mm-hmm. It is seven years old is still I'm still running Unreal Engine on it. And it works almost as good as that new one. That's not so fantastic. Anyway. Uh, NVIDIA graphics cards. That may be my last Mac mm-hmm. right there. Last Mac. Well, then uh, whatever. OK. Razer has these really cool uh, laptops that they should send me. They have Quadro graphics cards in them. Do you realize that that's what the, not what this podcast is about? No. 
No. Sh shilling for free stuff, <laughs> begging for free things from potential sponsors. I think Razor would be really <laughs> impressed with what we have planned for this channel on Unreal Engine. That is a super early preview. Okay. Um, That's if we can actually get anything done. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of steps and and months and years before mm -hmm. stuff comes, but we we're things are happening. God, that was the most pointless segment ever. Can we talk about what's Welcome happening? to the Unfinal Podcast, <laughs> the most pointless podcast ever. So what are we here? We're here for Kickstarter. Yep, let's talk we're about here. Kickstarter. Is it this week in Kickstarter? I don't know. <laughs> I don't it? know. I don't know anymore what happened this week. The Untitled Kickstarter Podcast. Anyway, um, so this is all you. Okay. This is all so you. Take it away. I got a ping that Warren had backed Axon Punk RPG. And if I do dare quote the uh, website itself, and inspired by hip hop, a classic cyberpunk, you play as a team of hackers, engineers, or cyborgs, AI, AI and others, just others, <laughs> <laughs> just random. Are there are there elves and trolls? No, there are not elves Good, and trolls. Good, because um, terrible sci-fi has elves and trolls in them. This is true. Like, yeah, why would you do? Sci-fi Shadowrun has elves and trolls, which makes no sense. It's like, why would you put magic in there? It was an awakening. Okay, but did you ever watch the Shannara Chronicles? It was kind. Of, well, never mind. I'm gonna, <laughs> whatever. It was on MTV. Yeah, when they had music and no, shows. that was well after they had no. music. MTV turned twenty, celebrating seven years of music. Anyway, so Warren from our channel back this. Um, it is. I don't know. It's stuff. So here's <laughs> <laughs> It's a hip hop inspired uh cyberpunk RPG. Wow. Can we just start um, this all over again? No. That's okay. not how we roll. So it is um so the original Axon Punk RPG is out. The name's kind of weird. Axon. I just I feel like I would call it anything but that. Okay. That's fine. I we should actually be on it and show people what it is. So let's uh so this is Axon Punk expanded so so the expanded mm -hmm. version um is adding in new color versions of some of the artwork mm -hmm. um additional artwork some yep. expanded um not rules but expanded content yep that's involved in it and additional story that some of the creators have developed and things like that to kind of enhance the world mm -hmm. and so it takes place in 2085 which honestly could be tomorrow i can't <laughs> tell anymore welcome to covid ah uh, yeah um yeah and you're essentially doing things it's infused with mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so you are trying to be forces of change as the great war of global inequity rages on the streets around you so essentially also today <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so uh, what do you like about it what do i like about it because i've got things i like about you it. you talk about it because i first saw this 10 minutes ago i know okay so when i looked at it first all first of all um it's already fully baked, and the fact is, you can get on Drive-Through RPG the fundamental rules plus a first campaign plus five pre-gen characters. It's not quite as much as you would want to play like a full campaign out of it, but it's kind of like it feels like something you would play at a con in order to be like, this is my new game. Sit down and play test for an hour or two hours or something like that. So it's not enough to like be like, I'm gonna run a full first campaign, or not a full first campaign, but like a full first one shot with in total, you know, total rules and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did like the fact that it's like, oh, go to you I mean right on the Kickstarter it says go to hyper or not hyper RPG. Um it's another Twitch, it's another Twitch channel. Sorry. You can go, you can go say hi to uh, um mm -hmm. 
mom and dad over there. That's what they go by. Oh, okay. I was like, what? My parents are on Hyper RPG? No. God, help <laughs> no, those people. I just, I just blanked on... Uh, Zach? Yeah, on Zach's name. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> on on drive-through RPG, drive-through RPG, that's what I was looking for. You can actually download it. It's a 50-page. It's an easy read. Um, How much is it? Free. Free? Free. And that's the best price ever is free. Um, and it gives you some really... flavor of beer. Exactly. Just like the kind when I take it from you and drink it. Mm. And then there's the Gonzo documents. Wait, let me finish. Okay. So when you go download it... Um, what I like about the game rules is that, and again, I haven't seen the full rules because the full rules are not on um, on the quick start guide, but essentially you are rolling kind of as a team. And so it's percentile dice and essentially you are like for initiative, you, your entire team rolls. And when I say team, I'm just kind of saying that your collective group or whatever mm. you want to call your, you know, the players, if you will. Right. So all the players roll. Whoever gets the highest, that's kind of like your initiative. Whoever gets the highest, that's like your skill check. Um, so it's very mm. group oriented. And so essentially it's us versus them. So if you are going to infiltrate, uh, you know, a security system in like, you know, a corporate building. And Next, you're- Tommy Plaza. Yeah, that's real. That's real 2085 verse from 1985. Anyway, um, you're rolling against, you know, the guards or the security system or whatever. Um, you know, you roll as a group and then you pick the best. And so the interesting thing that I found is that initiative, it's first, second, that's it. It's kind of like us against them. Who goes first? Who goes second? Within your group, you can then, if you're at the top of the round or the bottom of the round, that's all you get. So if you're at the bottom of the round, you can go in any order you want. Okay. Really? You have no more comments about that? Because yesterday you were all a chatter <laughs> about why that's bullshit. <laughs> nice look. Um, What is... So... No, oh, so so instead of when I was when yes, I was no. when I was young, oh God, here we back go. in the day. Hold on, I need a drink. Uh, back in the day, oh, uh, uh -huh. initiative literally was left to right around the table. Okay, like you go, you go, you go, you go, got you got it. Mm -hmm. um, now there's rolling initiative. You go, you know, your first, you know, this combat and the next combat, your first. Everything kind of changes. Everything slows down when you do that. This one, it sounds like. There's going to be a discussion to decide who goes first, second, third, and last. Which, if you're not on stream, honestly, I don't have a problem with it because it allows your team to strategize a little bit more effectively. So instead of having the person who's going to pick the lock to the door be the last person to go, and everybody's like, I hold my action until this one thing finally happens... Um, you know, you can be like, yeah. you pick the lock first, then I'm going to kick it in then because we already do some of this. Yeah, we're just not in rounds, but it allows you to use everybody's skill set a little bit more effectively in a round space system, you know, so you can play off of each other in that effect. And then the top of the round is done. And then the other the other gotcha. team goes, if you okay. will, or the bad guys go or mm -hmm. whatever. So that I found was kind of interesting. Again, I want to see all the rules, um, but the rules are extremely they just seem simple. You know, and it's more about cooperative gameplay and helping each other and, you know, doing things that are not necessarily rule driven. So I feel like it's sort of a react. It's I'm sure it's not a reaction to D&D, &D, but it feels very reactionary in the fact that, um, you know, everything isn't written into a rule. And mm -hmm. it was, you know, and some of that is if you talk, if you look at the website, some of that isn't th there's intent to that. 
you know, so it's like we give you some guidelines, but essentially you're going to kind of have to figure it out, which is also, and again, sort of in a big ball of wax for me, why I like um, cyberpunk better in the fact that it is a world that I technically understand. Um, and it can be also very much likened to the real world. Like you can't just do insane things. It's like, these are actual mm-hmm. real things that you can do. And therefore, how would you really do them? And can you ask, you know, when you talk to the DM, I would like to do this. The DM should, you know, punt it back to you and say, well, how are you going to do it? And you work your way through it. You know, you talk your way through it. That's how it works. So anyway, so that is my take on this. Gotcha. Um, Warren right. backed it. So I suspect it's going to show up somewhere in our world. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is all fulfilled by drive through RPG. Mm-hmm. So there are so you get um, some of the rewards you can choose are PDF versions or basically print on demand from drive through RPG, mm-hmm. which yep. is a service that they offer to give you uh, hardcover books or softcover books based on PDFs yep. that are published there. But unlike some other things that we're going to look at in a second, um, this hasn't been completed yet. So essentially mm-hmm. the Kickstarter is going to complete you know, the art and some of these items. So it says fulfillment in December. Yeah. Unlike the next thing that we're going to look at. The next thing we are going to look at is by the Goliath of the website, Really? Just the website? Of the internet? There you go. RPG, EN world. I don't know if it's the Goliath of the internet. I would say, who is the Goliath of the internet? I don't know. Twitter? What? Facebook? Is that the Goliath? Yeah, Facebook's the Goliath of the internet. Uh, Yeah. If it was an evil Goliath who stole all your information and sold it to the highest bidder. Are there no, is there any other Goliath? Yeah. There's dumb Goliaths. (laughs) There's... Grog is a dumb Goliath. Anyway, let's move on. This is Ian Publishing, which was funded in 15 minutes. It says it so, right so, on that screen. Okay. Um, is... You tell me why you can't care about this, and I'll tell you why I can. Actually, who who wants to say what it actually is before we even so talk this, about why? Uh, yeah, love, so our... this is Mythological Figures and Maleficent Monsters for D&D. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a book. So also, if you listen to the, it's a, <laughs> I just yeah, I don't know if you look. We're just gonna go straight past that. It's just, a beautiful D and D hardcover tome of legendary figures from Achilles to Robin Hood, Thor to Dracula, King Arthur. You know who they don't have to in this Baby book? Yoda, Zool. <laughs> that you know of, or Zod. Well, you're just like, never mind. You start okay. with the A's. You're like Achilles, and then you sort of don't go from A to Z. One would think it would be. That tag would be from A to Z, Achilles to give me a Z character. Instead, you're like, nah, Robin Hood. Just just go middle of, you know, no, middle it's of the pack. Figures from Achilles to Robin Hood. I didn't say A to Z. That's me. That's me saying that. Okay. But if anyway, you would so market it, I would say from A to Z. Ian, cover everybody. The, so the Ian World podcast, they have a segment. They have their own Kickstarter segment mm-hmm. um, where they read the titles of Kickstarters and then they... The guest has to figure out what it's about. So in this one, they would they would you know take off the four D and D, which is genius because if we did that segment, it would just be the dumbest stuff you ever heard of. Uh, And you should listen to the (laughs) end podcast because it is that. All right, so uh, so mythological figures and maleficent monsters. Mm -hmm. So some people might be like, that sounds like a really cool board game. Right? It could be it, cause, figurines, cause too. You, yeah, or it could be figurines. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, is Plushies. a book. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. All right, anyway, so this is a bunch of 
figures that are in pop pop culture, um, like Lucifer is in pop he's culture. Po- he's been popular for decades. <laughs> um, Going strong since. I don't know who Boudica is. Uh, it's probably me not being cultured or well read. Or watching the History Channel. Cthulhu, Cleopatra, Dracula, you know, all 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 people from history. <laughs> exactly. All great historical figures. Um, <laughs> it says Santa and Claus, monsters in the title. Santa again, Claus. Again, he's really a contributor to history, um, like what he did back in 1682. Thor Odinson. Is that really his last name? Yeah. I realize that he is Odin's son, but anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a foreword as well in here by, cool. by my Facebook friend, James and Ward. Okay. So anyway. Um, the Goliath of the internet. <laughs> full circle. I'm taking uh, this away this from is, you. I need, to, I need way more of that than we have right now. Uh, so this is going to be a hardcover book. Uh, Ian Publishing, they are doing uh, stuff. <laughs> They're doing a lot of books. Stop looking at the drink. Of, You're just like, they're doing stuff. I, Here. Do, I do not have enough. Okay. You know energy uh, un, undisclosed energy drink if you hurry up and get through this it'll get you more all right well that's all i have to say about that <laughs> so yesterday in the car when we discussed this entire like we discussed the run of show for this podcast i heard a lot of stuff and i heard what the hell do i need this for yeah i don't need this no i'll, I'll just throw that out there okay and i think i do need this because i lack creativity imaginativity. I lack time to use any of this in anything. There you go. I lack time just in general. So what? what's this guy's name again? Mike Myers? (laughs) Mike All Myers. Yes, it is. Also, a great... Uh, It's Morris. A great monster Uh, of history. I don't know. No, Myler, right there. It says it right there. And Russ Morrissey. Anyway, so they take historical figures and essentially they convert them into characters D characters D monsters with actual stats and so if you go to en world and go to the blog there you can find most of these people so again just a quick cheat you don't necessarily have to spend 50 bucks or 15 dollars on the pdf you can actually get the stats for santa um if you just go to the website or go to the blog because you know what i did yesterday was dig for the free version <laughs> but then i backed it anyway you're gonna punch me aren't you i didn't I just said why would I a have I ever no okay I mean I accidentally punched you the other day but that was a complete right in the eye right in the eye that was amazing I didn't and then you kept saying oh my god I thought I hit you in the nose I'm like yeah you no you hit me in the eye I was more concerned about accidentally breaking your nose than punching you anyway what were we talking about I don't know and then I played it off I'm like oh I'm gonna lose this thing I can't everything's blurry it was was (laughs) I was like everything's blurry I can't see anything you're like do you have your contacts in no (laughs) anyway I'm just saying that if you wanted to I don't know like I wanted to come up with an RPG using Mr. Rourke and Tattoo on Fantasy Island they are not in here no they're not in here (laughs) but I'm saying like when would I have time much less the imagination or inclination to actually follow through and make Mr. Rourke the epic lich that he is and Tattoo the kick-ass halfling that he is okay I think you just you just do it instead of recording this podcast we could be doing that we should okay um so donate don't donate whatever um, <laughs> when we do I'm, our kickstarter we're gonna definitely be as as excited as, about it as, as ambivalent whatever no i looked at it i thought it was cool i thought it would be a great source book to just have in the studio so when people are like i need this to like come yeah. and kill everybody i'll be like have you thought of santa 
Um, okay, right. next one. Next one is a something that has been uh, barraging my Facebook feed for the last long and time. I as well. And right up top, I have to say I can't care. Correct. Okay, do you want to say what it is though? This as opposed is, to being like I don't give me this. If well, if, if you're into board games and you have a Facebook, you know what this is. So this is the shivers. Or you donate to Kickstarter and yeah. you accidentally say yes to it's all send me it's all emails. cookie based anyway. Um, really? I should somehow change. You don't even know how to use this computer, do you? No, I don't. Oh, my God. No, we got to turn it off. There you go. Okay. There you go. So uh, this is the shivers, which um, seems like I it would get. be cool, except for when you get to this point, I'm like, oh, pop-up. That seems pretty gimmicky. So it's a pop-up board game. I feel yeah. like it's a little bit more for children. Like, I could see my little, like, when I was younger, my sister and I playing this. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. I was playing a choir. Okay. My parents weren't into board games. Anyway, and so essentially you're solving mysteries in a spooky house. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're looking at the video, if not, let me try and describe this to you. It's a pop-up kind of like your laptop would be. And then instead of your screen, you actually put different slot of slates or mm -hmm. like images back there. And there are windows in that image to kind of mix up what the actual story is. When I was really, really young at oh, the God. Scholastic Book Fair. How much alcohol do I need for this story? <laughs> Continue. Uh, there was a pop-up book called Dinner Time. And like every page was um, the next creature in the, not chain of command, in the <laughs> chain of... <laughs> Are they under Santa? <laughs> yes. Were they all the creatures what? that Santa controlled and his what evil is, what, what is workshop? That, uh, uh, what is that? The I, I might literally be losing my mind. That's what happens when you cut your don't. hair. You're like, what's his I don't, name, Samson? I don't know. The gorilla? Yes. Um, the gorilla was one of the things that ate. Um, what are you saying? What are you saying? We are right top now? of the food chain, not the not the line and line of command or whatever I just said. Um, the food so chain. We're back right? on the Scholastic Book Fair. At how old were you? It was it was a pop up, right? So it'd be right. like a small creature, and then it was like a fly. Oh, and then it kind of pops up, and then the next page was a frog that ate the fly, and then yeah, the next like, page was something. You know, it like popped up out. Wasn't that like, like a, a shark? And then the gorilla ate the shark for some reason. I don't know why. Wasn't that the um? Not I don't know why I swallowed a fly. What's that that childhood rhyme where it's like the spider oh, yeah. ate the fly, the fly ate the something or another? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Definitely something like that. Kay. Anyway, that was a pop-up. I don't care about this. Shivers. They, okay, need, they need to stop hitting my Facebook feed. Don't you care about shivers as opposed to just the fact that you have pointless childhood <laughs> memories? And I don't know if and the memories are pointless or your childhood is pointless or... Little column A, little column B. Just the Scholastic Book Fair was pointless. I can't. Even decipher oh, the best seven dollars I ever spent. You bought the book, and others. God, okay. Anyway, um, so it just doesn't appeal to me. So the, the as an adult, I could see potentially. Okay. It's it's for, it's a family game. They say it straight up front. It's a family game. Ages seven, and I feel like that you nailed it right there. Ages seven plus, like take that plus out because. <laughs> uh, there's gonna be reading involved. Uh, and well, here's the problem. Oh, no, it is reading. not for people over 40 because just looking at this, it's going to be impossible no. to read that small text. And actually, as you continue to scroll <laughs> down, they actually give you a magnifying glass with it. There it is. It's actually you're the one who should scroll because you're recording. But it says one magnifying glass. Some of those clues are pretty tiny. I'm thinking that 
this is something that children like the question is does this have to be played with adults to kind of assist the children in you know finishing the game right. and then in that case you shouldn't add a magnifying glass because we already feel bad about our eyesight going to hell please don't make me look like my grandparents uh so story from my childhood um my grandfather used to read the newspaper with a magnifying glass as opposed to getting bifocals which honestly a little genius um so i mean and then i caught my yeah. mother doing that once i thought that was awesome too <laughs> nice. i was like yo man's got it killing ants um so one of the things about this is so there uh so each each sort of pop-up area is a room right and there are mm -hmm. things in the room and in the back of it is a the story the adventure that you are playing right yep, so you in. drop it in and then all the little doors and windows and everything open up to different things in the different um Ooh. stories Ooh, well, i got a thought computers <laughs> just saying yeah, I uh, uh, again, my amb I'm sure somebody out there is going to be somewhat more excited about this than I am, but I just feel like your laptop is the equivalent of this, and why don't you just make a game on a laptop or an app or your phone? Because this is a family board game to get them to stop looking at their computers, sit around a table, interact, have fun, build the sense of community with your family. I say as opposed go to, all out. Here's a tablet. Go watch that. Go after no, yourself. No, it's not. Here's a... Okay, first off, so glad we don't have children because go F yourself. <laughs> well, I first can't off, figure out your homework. Go F yourself. Watch your language <laughs> on our pre show talks because there are children that I join those sometimes. That there's other people's. The other top people. of her head. Okay. That's all you see. Just, just. Just look for that. I was busy doing work and, emails. And keep the keep the keep Can, the F bombs to a minimum. <laughs> you know, if you're stopping evil and fighting Nihilothotep, sometimes you gotta drop an F bomb. Where was I on this? Oh, so technology. Let's get back to my point. Remember when we worked at Intel and we they were constantly pimping that tabletop video board screen game I, thing? I directed three commercials I remember because I shot a couple of those commercials and the unfortunate piece is that never worked but essentially I think that this might be better suited if it was actually played around an iPad or a larger tabletop device where the family could gather around I mean at least it keeps it a little bit more current and mm -hmm. in the ilk of what children would do and I honestly think that that is kind of a kick-ass segment into and a wild and Houston we have a dolphin is the whole thing was just a setup to get us to that interview. No, it wasn't, it? but it just kind of like it hit <laughs> just, me that I was like, you know what? You know, you know what you should do? You should get a tablet and go play Houston Yoga. <laughs> that done. would be done. Better. Uh, let's go uh, after this brief bit of messages. If you don't have an ad blocker on. To go listen to our interview with Ando Wild of Hybrid Games and Houston We Have Dolphin. All right, so we are here with Ando of Hybrid Games. How are you doing today? I'm fine. It's a Sunday evening here, so I actually just came from the swimming pool. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been a it's been a enjoyable day. Good. That's, <laughs> That's that, nice. Yeah, that is a different take on than normally people we interview in the states. <laughs> yeah, just they would be we like, uh, "What now? Yeah. Because it's so early." No. And I'm all, I'm actually drinking Radler, like I'm drinking a, like a like a um, something, a beverage basically mm -hmm. instead of coffee, which you are probably drinking yes. right right, yeah, right now. Yeah, I've got yeah. yeah. In fact, this is my second cup already this morning just to get me going. 
Nice. Yeah, did you say it's a ra- did you say it's a Radler? So it's like lemonade and yeah, yeah. beer. It's a, it's okay. a lemonade and beer. Yes. Nice. That's my favorite. <laughs> Anyway, we could talk about beer all day. We but, could. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think we should just jump in right away because you have a game that's on Kickstarter right now, mm-hmm. which is yes. Houston. We have a dolphin, which we played uh, last, last week. week yeah. yeah, we played last week. And mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. So can you t- talk about, I guess, the process of starting that game and when the dolphins came into play? <laughs> well, the dolphins came quite late, actually. So the whole process was about how can we make a social deduction game that that is close to the stuff that I knew? And that was basically the werewolf games and mafia games back then. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you know them. Uh, and yeah, how can I transform this process into a thing that works with three players? So it was quite obvious, like even before I had any mechanic, it was like a very, uh, how do you say, conscious choice to mm-hmm. say, okay, so we definitely have a game master that is not a player so that we get the slot free for someone to, to play. And uh, everything else was kind of an evolution from there. So it's a three-player game that is also a social deduction game and it has a trader, which is very similar to the Mafia game. And when you uh, think about it, it's even close in a way that it has two faces. It has that face where you do something secretly, which is the spacewalk face which is very close to the night face in, in, uh, in, yeah. in the werewolf game. And it has that captain's face that is basically uh, this choice that everyone makes together, um, which is also very similar to the day face in the werewolf thing. Yeah, but I think you would agree that it like went quite far from that original idea and became something else. Is this only possible because you do hybrid games? Like that, you know, when you were you thinking of this before Soviet Kitchen Unleashed came out, where you sort of went in with this, you know, the game that read the cards and, mm-hmm. and did the calculations for you. Was this something you were thinking about before you thought about combining technology? Um, so, you know, I'm by heart, I'm also a video gamer. So I played board games for a long time, but I also played video games for a long time. So uh, it always, itched me to say like how is that how's that even possible that these two mediums seem to be so distant even though they could have so much in common so that's something that was constantly on my mind and uh, in the case of soviet kitchen it was more of a conscious choice to say let's do something that i can only do with a smartphone that is like totally unimaginable without a technical device and that was this color mixing thing that feels so soft but it's actually just a lot of code um, so that was uh, more from um, how would you say um, I think you can say technology push you wonder about what you can do and try to make something from it but in the case of Houston we have a dolphin it's uh, it's different because I went from I came from the game mm-hmm. and uh, but very early in the process, I, I recognized that the phone could be the phone could be the game master. So if that was the case, how how would that be? How would that unravel? And when you integrate the technology into your games, um, what 
what concern do you have about that technology becoming outdated? You know, so like most most people with apps, they have to push updates constantly. But like, what's your what's your problem solved for the fact that phones will change, tablets will change? You know, to keep your to keep your game viable for ten years or fifteen years. Okay, so uh, I think the answer consists of some some elements. So <clears throat> we are not promising people that you, they can play our games in 15 years. Like this mm -hmm. is actually not, not the case. I cannot promise this. We can promise that they can play our game in two years um, unless their phone breaks, you know, then. But <laughs> I think people are aware that these games are technology related. Um, so I know some people are very conservative about this and say, okay, that's not my thing. And that's totally mm -hmm. okay. And I'm not even trying to pursue them or something. But when people get interested, of course, I'm open to tell them that this game is very tightly like connected to technology, so it could become outdated. Um, yeah, but on the other hand side, we are not like a traditional publisher that tries to uh, get some apps done for us, but actually mm -hmm. the programmer is part of our core team. Like even before we had the first game idea, the programmer was on board. So we are like a family, we are like a core group and there's no uh, plan to, to break up whatsoever. So mm -hmm. uh, everything is in-house. So that means when people contact us and say, hey, stuff is not working, like you would like people, we, sometimes we've made updates um, less than one day after people contacted us mm -hmm. um, in case of Soviet Kitchen, just because we are so small and we just want people to be happy with our product. So of course it makes us sad when people write to us, oh, this didn't work. But then um, we try to work it out with them. Sometimes we ask for their phone. Sometimes we even ask them to make screenshots if that's possible and then stuff gets, mm -hmm. well, yeah, then we get into the process of solving it. And almost every time we could solve the problem. And there were like, there was two cases like we had like 3000 customers for Soviet Kitchen so far and it happened like twice, I think that we just gave people money back. We like the last thing that we do is like we say, sorry, you would have to change your device. You don't mm -hmm. have to do that. If you want, you can have your money back. And, uh, but yeah, people um, are kind of understanding and they even sometimes lend their phones and then they are happy, which I'm not expecting them to do, but that's, that's how it works. So, uh, how how was um so the Soviet Kitchen Unleashed? Uh, we did not get in on the Kickstarter because we, for whatever reason it was um, before it was really not on our radar. But we went. Yeah, to, we were we were so small, you know. It's yeah, uh, yeah. It was hard to get on anyone's radar to start with. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and in fact, we heard about it word of mouth. Well, how... I mean, Ezra when he when he met you at Essen. Mm -hmm. um, and then he did the small little interview. That's when we're like, oh man, this looks like a great game. Um, and then we went to, we went to France yep. in December and, uh, and we saw it, you know, in store cause we couldn't get it in the, in the States, you mm -hmm. know, cause it, it wasn't through distributors. Um, but we were in France and we we're like, oh my God, it's here. Let's get it. And then we, so we played that in our hotel room and, did and you that buy was the a French lot of version. Did you buy yeah. the version that is like, uh, that has a square box, a white box. That's the French. That's the French version from mm -hmm. Igiari, which is our partner. Yeah, mm -hmm. he was. Uh, he didn't know much about us, but he like kind of 
believed in the project from quite early and he was super open to uh and like basically had to believe us that we would deliver support and stuff so he he jumped mm -hmm. on board and he was not uh, disappointed he is uh was I think one of his most uh, successful projects that he published so far. So was that game primarily driven by graphic design because my French is terrible and he doesn't speak any French. Um, and so it wasn't hard to figure out the game just because of it's just graphics you know so essentially you don't need to necessarily have to read the language it's right. basically uh -huh. fundamentally based on colors and graphic design you know was that sort of like the push for this and then also i noticed too with houston you have a dolphin um graphics are a huge part of your game design it's uh -huh. interesting you know, so where where does that come from you know is that intentional at the beginning is that to be very honest i think it's not very intentional because in the case of Soviet Kitchen, it was just that we didn't want to pay a designer to draw the game for us, so I had to do it myself. And I hadn't been illustrating, so uh, mm -hmm. yeah, of course. And then I'm an architect by nature, or like not by nature, but by, um, by my education, I'm an architect. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to draw like edgy lines, and uh, it was clear that my drawings wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't be like super skillful, fine drawings but more of this like in your face thing, because that's the only thing I can do really. Like uh, that's that's the honest truth behind it. And then uh, of course, when you, we started with the process of what can we do with the phone? And then I came up with this idea of color mixing, which mm -hmm. is, which I think you can see that it's a compelling idea to say, wow, this phone can mix colors. And uh, so, and once you add the color, it's not far to jump to to um, kind of an ingredient or something, mm -hmm. something that has a color, which must be an object. So, yeah, because the project was produced or designed from the inside, this is how it evolved, I think. And uh, to take one, one more take on it concerning uh, Houston, we have a dolphin. I think in this case, it is very graphic uh, because of the cinematic dimension that that I wanted it to have. I'm not even 100% happy with how it turned out cinem cinematically, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a project that wants to tell a story that doesn't even maybe, I'm not even sure if it wants to be a pure game or if it wants to be a, something like a novel or something like a movie. Yeah. Or, yeah, so this is where all the graphics come from. We try to tell stories and uh, you, try to avoid words, especially written words, as much as possible. I know it's kind of a dumb question, but like, is the font, was that a font that you had or did you actually just draw the letters to create the font, if you will? There is a font that is used okay. a lot in the game and it's a free font. Uh, and uh, still for the, for the main title, mm -hmm. I looked at different uh, fonts that are similar and try to take from them what I liked and whatnot. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's funny because it's uh, fake Kyrillic. So it even has like, some yeah. people told us that it is wrong, but yeah, it's a question, that's a question of perspective. I think with 95% of people, it's uh, that's acceptable that it's mm -hmm. written wrong, but therefore resembling our letters, like your letters. Yeah. The only reason we bring that up is that Thomas was trying to 
translate it from French into English using using Google Translate, the phone oh, app. It takes a picture and it couldn't recognize it. Yeah. That's why I was like, did you make the font? <laughs> so funny. it is funny because it's it's a French word, but then some of the letters are, are backwards, you know, and uh -huh. different. And yeah. so it's like, you know, trying to use the phone to, to do the translate. It was a lot of fun trying to figure yeah, that that's out. Funny. Yeah. But that's like even that's yeah, sometimes you you're surprised how how stories end up, you know, like we start with we start with that game that has colors and then at some point we try to write words on it and at some point it becomes fake Russian and then mm -hmm. two Americans buy the French version of it and uh like <laughs> so yeah, it, it, the story has quite some quite some uh, quite some yeah. corners on you okay uh, it, it's great the, the the design of that game is great that it doesn't matter right you know yeah. you can play the game without knowing exactly that you're putting in nuclear waste or a tire yeah you know yeah you like there is there are special abilities but the game is so short that it's no problem if you fail once or like mm -hmm. oh it worked a different way okay that's i didn't read it but it, yeah now i know so uh in a yeah, but still we wrote, of course, we wrote the special ability uh, effects on the cards, mm -hmm. but um, mm -hmm. most people won't make use of it. And it's more of a graphical element. That's that's a surprising outcome. Yeah, but it's okay. I wouldn't want to have it any different right now. With that game, as well as Houston, um, I noticed that I could play the game by myself. So he was in the shower and I was like, I'm going to play <laughs> Kitchen Unleashed by myself. Um, oh. You know, tell me about the fact that your games are actually for less people than more people. Cause like when you talk mm -hmm. about mafia or werewolf, you can, we play that with parties of mm -hmm. like 10, 11, 12 people, you know, and you're looking at games that are for smaller units of individuals. So mm -hmm. you know what I mean? What was your thought process as far as like making games for smaller groups than larger groups? Okay. Starting with, uh, maybe starting with the, th the thing that I thought at the very first, uh, moment, uh, solo mm -hmm. players, these are people that I, totally didn't even had in mind when I designed Soviet Kitchen. It was just that the game was basically finished and we recognized that it would be so easy to offer the game as a, in a solo mode too, especially because I was prototyping a lot by myself. So a lot of mm -hmm. the, especially when you work with an app, a lot of prototyping is not even the flow of the game, you know, but it's uh, just uh, make things not suck, like make bugs not appear and stuff like that yeah. so therefore you play a lot by yourself anyways so in Soviet Kitchen we just for myself I built that solo mode or like I made my programmers help me to play it solo and then mm -hmm. in the end it was just there so but I didn't have I didn't really expect people to play it solo like uh, it just happened so that's uh that's the first thing um secondly um the werewolf game uh, is of course nice to play with a lot of people but the initial idea behind it was that I would also like to play it with less people so uh, it happened in my case more than once that we wanted to play this game but we felt like oh can we do it with five oh kind of not it would suck probably I don't know one has to be the game master so that's uh that's how how uh that's why we even started with the number of players in uh, mm -hmm. using Rabbit Dolphin. And we might scale it up later. Like we might have maybe a six or seven player expansion if people want it and if the game is a success and so forth. But to really focus to the lower counts was to us also a, a business case kind of. And we hope that it 
that people see that that like, oh wow I love these types of games and now I can try to go for low low player accounts. And by the way, there's other great social deduction games for two or three too. Like uh, right now on Kickstarter, there's Mantis Falls that looks amazing too. And uh, Coop, for example, is also a great game for three players. But I wouldn't, I would not exactly put it into the social deduction category. Yeah. So I don't know. Soviet Kitchen ended up being very flexible in the player count, and uh, that's super lucky for us. Also economically, it sells quite well because of that too. And uh, but um, it is something that I'm going to respect in my future designs, being that the app might allow us to be more flexible with player numbers. But back then, it was um, just something that happened. From the Kickstarter on Soviet Kitchen Unleashed to sales now, how? Um, you know, how, how is the per, like percentage? I mean, are you seeing a lot of sales now versus, so you know, the, how much you raised in the Kickstarter? So Soviet Kitchen was uh, our first Kickstarter project. And uh, we knew that was, that it was a learning thing, you know, that uh, it could have even, it could even have failed and we wouldn't have been very sad about it. We're also not the type of uh, Kickstarter projects who, you know, we don't work like until it's 100% perfect, but we just get it out there to get feedback. So we're always open to failure. And um, in the case of Soviet Kitchen, the Kickstarter is looking back from it now is not very significant um, for the income that we made, but it was of course uh, incremental to, to spread the word. Um, but the game is really going quite well. So uh, there's, like a handful of countries that are interested in selling the game. Mm -hmm. France was the first, but we are, we're having contracts with Spain. We're having contracts with Brazil. We had a contract with a US American publisher, um, but it unfortunately, uh, in the week that we wanted to sign it, the whole uh, Corona thing came up. So uh, there's no exact plans to bring it to the US, but I think it's still likely. Um, there's also a future project coming out of it with a with a partner publisher of a kind of a similar game um, that I cannot talk too much about, but it's also a color mixing game for families. So uh, yeah, I think Soviet Kitchen was a super lucky first game. Like uh, it's much, it works much better than I could have anticipated, and it works because of reasons that I didn't even see when I made it. So that was luck. That was also a lot of luck, and uh, yeah, we can like we cannot live from what we did with Soviet Kitchen yet, but for such a small game, it's surprising how how much money we got onto our account. Mm -hmm. Yeah, enough for you to develop a second game, or at least yeah. And now <laughs> we have all these contacts, you know. Now uh, people are asking us to send them the game too, and they want to see if it's the same as Soviet Kitchen. And I can tell you, economically, it would have been smarter to make a game that is uh, a sequel or something. But um, mm -hmm. we are right now in the process where we want to prove to people that the phone is more like can can do a lot of things. So uh, Soviet Kitchen will be is very different from Houston, and the next game will again be like not be the same thing. It's going to break the laws of board games again in, in yet another dimension. And uh, and I hope, yeah, I hope I don't want to be that guy that makes these color mixing games, you know? Also with, with Hybrid, you you have a, the App Studio 
can you can work with other developers and designers as well, right? You have yes. that relationship available. So if somebody else out there has a really great idea for an app-based game, they could reach out for development. For, for a funny reason, I didn't feel like there's so many great ideas out there. Despite me having quite a few of those which I think could, could be something. So uh, this is also a reason to make games. So we're hoping that once we start making innovative games with apps, that people start to see uh, what, how much potential there is, and maybe that they come back to us and do it with us, because we have the most, the, like, a lot of experience with it. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of experience is a big word for being in a second game, but <laughs> basically more than most of the others. So, and it, and it's growing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a business case that we, um, and it's, it's a project that we would love to work more on. Um, but it doesn't happen a lot yet, but yeah, there's mm -hmm. one project in the making, um, that is quite close to Soviet kitchen and where we are going to make the app. Mm -hmm. So, um, so basically we, we can take that too. Yeah. The, the app app development thing is also, uh, uh something that we do now. Yep, and I don't know what would have happened without Corona. There's been quite some interesting projects going on, people asking a lot, but um, it was all a bit silenced with, with the Corona situation. Mm -hmm. So how big is your team? So when you talked about, you know, you're able to talk, talk directly to your app developers because they're, they're in-house, you guys are together. Um, who's, who's on your team, you know, kind of tell me through the process. Do you start with an idea and then take it to your team? Kind of how does this, how does the game kind of start from a concept to an actual prototype? So, you know, we did this only twice until now, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, things are still developing a lot, but um. So I think the, the archetype of project development would be um, in my free time, I developed some ideas and I had this vision of something that could work. And then mm -hmm. there's that point when I have to present that to my colleagues, maybe like, for example, in August, I'm planning to pitch three different games for my colleagues. And then we will discuss until we made a choice on which of the three projects is going to be the next one. So okay. um, um, this is the start. And once we decided for one thing, in the case of Soviet Kitchen, there wasn't even a choice. It was just like, yeah, let's do this. I have this idea about color mixing. We didn't have a plan, mm -hmm. but this is, so the first step was skipped. And then um, I uh, will ask my developers to make a first prototype that only inherits like the essential plot twist that comes with the app. You know, like in Soviet okay. Kitchen, there was like showing two colors and then a, a new color appears on the screen. That was the first mm -hmm. prototype. In Houston, we have a dolphin. It was, uh, um, we worked with QR codes before we had the image detection. And uh, yeah. so, um, and yeah, then a lot of things happen like syn synchronously, synchron like parallelly. Yes, that's a great word. It's not hard to speak. Um, and um, my colleague Milena, okay. So talking to the people as well. So there's me. And I'm designer and I was illustrating until now, but actually I want to stop illustrating to have more time for other, other parts of the, of the company. Um, and then there's Milena and Milena is um, our, our businesswoman. She is making all the accounting stuffs and uh, stuff. And she's also, um, she's responsible for the editorial stuff. So she's making the rule book. I'm helping her, but she's the one who says like, now it's done or um, we need to alter it. And, 
um, she's making a lot of the um, B2B um, communication, like finding um, the, the right production partners, um, finding the partners for different countries and so forth. And then we have two programmers actually, which we could um, allow ourselves to have because we are funded. We are a European funded project um, because we, um, we make this innovation. We claim to make object tracking a reality on the board game. So our first games didn't even have object tracking, which would be that you can follow, um, follow miniatures basically with the phone, but this is where we want to head to. So this was funded and that's why we could afford two developers. And one is basically the, um, the so-called uh, front-end developer. So he's making everything that you will see. He's also good with animations. Um, he's um, good with fonts. He will integrate sound effects and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then there's one developer and he's only there um, to develop um, the algorithms that are complex in the background, especially like, you know, that uh, the faces of the astronauts are recognized yeah. and then trigger that the phone knows, oh yeah, that was this one. This is um, the work of one developer. And now he's already working on, on um, future projects, on future technologies that would help us in, in future projects. Uh, okay, one more sentence concerning the process. So uh, yeah, we give the project, like I give a task to my, to my developers and we make the very first prototype and it's super ugly as, it, as it's supposed to be. And then we just sit down and play. And then um, it usually becomes obvious that I'm not a genius and that things really suck. And then uh, my colleagues have to uh, repair my game design. So it's, it's really like, uh, I'm, I'm usually the one who has like the power to push forward, but my colleagues have the power to, uh, to keep us from doing horrible stuff. So this is the iteration that I'm usually making, making, and they're usually feedbacking. And this goes mm -hmm. back and forth for a year or maybe even longer in the future. And then um, in the end, the game is, at, at one point we say, okay, I think the game is as good as it gets or working longer on it wouldn't, wouldn't be um, an economic thing to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's, it, the, the strangest thing about the process is that I draw all the time, meanwhile. But it's, this is supposed to change because I don't think it's very efficiently. I, um, I drew a lot of mafiosi guys for Houston, we have a dolphin because we thought it's going to be a mafia game. And uh, uh -huh. I like these drawings a lot, but they are totally used, they're totally wasted now because um, then we talked to our potential customers and they said, hey, why not space? That would be cooler. And we were like, okay, let's throw these drawings away. So yeah, that was totally, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we we learn from that to make uh, arts later in the in the in the next project. When did the dolphin come in? Because at the beginning of the interview, you said the dolphin didn't come in until much later. So when exactly did the dolphin show up? The game design as itself was done, and it had some mm -hmm. mafios mafiosi guys. Yeah. And what I what I liked about the first theme was that actually the policeman, the agent was the bad guy, and the mafia like everyone was a mafia family. And um, they were all good. And they even all, they had a halo, all of the characters, <laughs> but the agent, he was the bad guy because he was hurting the family. Um, anyways, so uh, we talked to our, uh, to our fans and they were not really interested in the mafia thing. I think it's just, uh, it was just used too much probably. And uh, so we, uh, came to, we came to the conclusion that fantasy would probably work better 
because of the idea that a spaceship is like a tight place where you cannot go away, just like a social deduction table. You know, like people mm -hmm. come together and they have to work this out and it hurts, um, but there's no way around it. And um, I think this is a great source of any conflict. So uh, this is why we went to, a, why we transformed everything into a space station. But we were not sure yet about who's going to be the traitor. So uh, even though we had we had the spaceship already and um, even like the stars background and stuff, we were guessing it would be astronauts who have who have a battle there. Uh, yeah, we it took us some iterations to come to come to the conclusion that it must have been a dolphin who uh, who sabotaged the spaceship. And it came from a story. Okay, this is a really weird story. It came because I read a story about the dolphin Peter, who was heartbroken by a trainer from the NASA. Because in Florida, the NASA mm -hmm. had kind of headquarter where they were training dolphins to, uh, basically they tried to learn how to communicate with aliens by trying to communicate with aliens. It's a true story. So there was that trainer and she was a woman and she had a male dolphin that she was working with. And she could, she even made it that this dolphin was making different sounds that dolphins don't even do. So he was even starting to develop a very shallow type of language to communicate mm -hmm. with humans. So in this sense, the project was successful, but the problem was that this dolphin fell heavily in love with that woman. And there's even rumors that they had like se sexual encounters and stuff. It's a super weird story. So anyways, the NASA had to break the, the, the NASA had to break the project at some point. It was over, um, I don't know if it has anything to do with people showing up and saying that it's not okay to treat dolphins in, in that really strange way. So it was a horrible thing that they did. And um, Peter went into some kind of dolphin retirement place and he was heartbroken and died from it. Like, I don't know if it's true, but that's, it's, that's exactly what stands in this article. I, I will give you a link. You can attach it. It's about the heartbroken dolphin Peter. And the, the article leaves no doubt about it. He just says uh -huh. he died because he was heartbroken. Like he sank to the ground of his, of his pool and died. Yeah, that's, uh, so um, that's why. So it has nothing to do with Hitchhiker's Galaxy, Guide to the Galaxy. On a different day, I would have told you a different story, but uh, hmm. it's, um, it, this was actually the initial, the initial way that we had the connection between NASA and Dolphin. Mm -hmm. And originally, the, the astronauts were all NASA astronauts too, and not undefined astronauts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, I read the Hitchhiker books. I love them. Um, I'm a mm -hmm. Douglas Adams fan, and uh, so uh, it even it. I felt like it all made sense. Like you know, <laughs> the, the real story of NASA and what Douglas Adams had brought up, it even fits together in a, in a time frame because the one thing happened in the 70s, and then 78, um, the world was blown up. So. Yeah, we had different theories. Was it the dolphins all along that even made the Earth explode? Or was it only dolphins that go on a re revenge tour into space? Or, so there's, there's different, there's different uh, visions that you could, that go even deeper than what the game tells you. Yeah, and we, of That's course, we didn't have time to all tell you this, but there's a lot of, how do you say? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of background ideas. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So one other thing that, that, uh, Ezra was, he tweeted at us and alluded to was, was where, uh, Captain E. Glue's name came from. Oh yeah. What is that? Uh, 
Okay, maybe I find a picture of um of this of this company from Germany, which is which has a funny name. Um, just two seconds. Okay, here it is. So there's this guy, and uh, oh, it's quite bright, but you can mm -hmm. see a captain, I guess. And yeah. even this, uh, yeah, now you can see him. Um, yep. So this guy, he's he's the one face in Germany that you connect to fish fingers, and he's called Captain Igloo. So um, we uh, we wanted to have him, we wanted to have a Captain Igloo, but then also make it an international um, thing. So it became Captain E Blue, and gotcha. it as if if someone was very unfortunate with his family, that might be his name. So so we stick with it. We thought yes. that the captain really uh, held the ship together, and it was a reference to Elmer's glue. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's. I really like to make. That. I really like to make uh, like these story snippets or these ideas, and they don't quite they don't quite fit, but they leave a gap for interpretation. So uh, mm -hmm. your interpretation is just as true as the origin. It's uh, just uh, whatever whatever people make from it. I hope uh, there's more aspects of the game where this uh, mm -hmm. where this uh, takes place, that people have an idea of what it all means. I don't want to cut this short, but I have to go. <laughs> so um, I, I would love to have you back on another time to to talk about uh, more game games and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, game number three. Yeah, and also just some of the aspects of like making a game in Europe, um, what it's like to get funded in Europe. Oh, yes, we yes. talk about European funding. That was, you know, that's something that we don't necessarily have here in the United States. You have to get mm -hmm. private funding from corporations, but at the same time, it's a uh, for us, it's really hard to uh, to get a foot into the U.S. American market. So um, that's also a reason why I'm happy to talk with you. But your questions were very interesting. I was uh, I thought it was more about like giving you a game summary and talk about why the game is so great. But you were talking like you were asking stuff that um, yeah made me uh, made me talk a little more uh, from my convoluted background. Yeah, your experience. It's not a convoluted background. It's called experience. <laughs> oh, that's the word. Yeah, that was just a language thing. I didn't know the word. Yeah, no, it was uh, great to talk to you. Absolutely, um, thank you. So, thank so you. Uh, going, sorry, wherever uh, you're going. Uh, yeah, enjoy. Have a great uh, <laughs> Sunday. Have a great I'm, Sunday ahead of you. I will mm -hmm, go to bed. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go to work. <laughs> oh, on Sundays. Yeah. Oh, that's mean. Sorry. It is. Oh, it is mean. Actually, I, I have to finish some drawings too. Actually, so um, I'm drinking the Radler now to make it easier to work um after the interview. Yeah, Perfect. I know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to every night. All right. Uh, but so, yeah. Ando, thank yeah, you. Thank it was, you. Yeah. Thank you for the uh, dolphin story. Can't. I will never forget that now. No, it's it's. Uh, it, I didn't make it up. It sounds it sounds as crazy as the stuff that we make, but it's uh, that's that's. It has a source, you know, it's, I'm just yeah. retelling it. Sorry. Anchovies in the floppy disk. Yeah. <laughs> and that is going to do it for this episode of the Untitled Podcast. That was a fun interview with Ando. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk to him a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's a lot more to kind of dive into. Um, I had to leave, literally, I had to like run out of here after that interview to go to a call time. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I would like to talk to him a little bit more about designing Euro games. And I think it's interesting, something that he said about getting um, funding. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of do the comparison between what it is to create a game here and get fund, like get funding when I say that. Yes. Um, look for funds, how, how to get development funds in the U.S. versus is that something that because you are a European, just mm-hmm. like with um, my friends in, not my friends in Poland, but like, you know, filmmakers that I went to school with who you know, work now in Poland, they're like, I can just go back to Europe and get money to make movies. Mm-hmm. Like, just ask the government and be like, hey, can I have some money? Yeah, there was um, an Axiom open source camera that was a thing for a while. I backed it on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, where they got funding from the EU because mm-hmm. it was, you know, kind of building that technology yeah. of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. open source technology yep. to basically further what ended up being a completely useless, worthless product. But I bet you the EU probably owns that patent. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Me neither. And it would be interesting to talk to Ando about it and see what that's about. But that's for another day. That is for another day. Um, and so is the rest of this podcast. Yeah. What? I don't know. That made no sense. Much like the beginning of this podcast. Ah, so we're ending as, as well as we yep. started. Mm-hmm. Wrap it up. This is. Uh, this reminds me of that quote from Billy Madison, where... I don't remember Which the quote, one? but it was pointless and useless. That's about it. We are all dumber for having sat through this. I think that's the inspirational poster. I yes. think that's meetings. We're all dumber for having to sat through this. Uh, meetings. None of us is as dumb as all of us. No, that's. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> all right. So that's it. Goodbye.